want some sticks. What kind of sticks? Those kinds where, you know, the stripy ones that they use in the movies. The stripy sticks. Yeah, where they're like... Oh, you want, a, you want a slate? You want a clock slate? Board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, two, action! Yeah, yeah. But I want, rolling. I want one with the, with the, with the thing that moves. Yeah. Not the electronic ones that don't uh, move. I want too fancy. You want the one with chalk? Yeah, and we'll be like <laughs> episode fifteen. Episode fifteen of action. the Waystation podcast. Right. Click. Yeah. So look, the stakes are high now. Like, I, we have an we have an added responsibility that you don't even know about. Uh oh. It turns out my parents have been have taken to listening to our podcast while they eat evening dinner. So we are their dinner time conversation. <laughs> nice. So look, man, do we got to raise the stakes here? Okay, so I have an idea. Why don't At we? At this point, make... I'm asking myself, what would Tucker Carlson do? Because <laughs> he's the other voice that, that's in their head a lot. Well, so how we get ahead of them, right? Is what we'll do is we'll send two cardboard cutouts of us that are life size, and they can put them in chairs next to them while they eat. So jokes aside. Someday you're gonna be sitting in a room saying something, and someone's gonna stand up and be like, "Are you William?" <laughs> because my whole family now, like every single person that has given me a compliment about our podcast, has always been like, "That William guy." <laughs> like, how did you find someone so interesting and so dynamic? I found like, so there's... you have this imaginary family now that you don't even know about. It's it's expansive. And it's hillbilly. So, <laughs> well, what's funny is I had this experience the other day. Someone texted me about stuff, and I'm like, "Well, Randy said," and they knew who it was, but they'd never met you. Oh, there we go. I'm like, so, "Well, when I was talking to Randy, he blah blah blah," and they're like, "Oh, they know who Randy is." Yes, getting the brand out there, folks. <laughs> the Randy and William. The Randy and William brand. Yes. We are, I want to release a pair of dungarees. What's what they used to call jeans? We get some jeans, Randy and William jeans. <laughs> as long as they're not called dungarees. <laughs> I'm going back to my Hardy Boys days with that one. <laughs> I read a lot of Hardy Boys as a child, and even then, dungarees didn't wasn't a word. Yeah, no. Jalopy. There were a lot of words that I was like, I don't even know what that means. And there was no online thesaurus, so or said, or uh, Urban Dictionary. There was no Urban Dictionary because jalopy would have been an Urban Dictionary thing, probably, right? right? Yeah. Like I remember when I remember when Urban Dictionary came to my mind, or I came to my like uh, awareness yeah. when somebody said selfie. And they're like, they've defined it. And I'm like, what? It's a word. Yeah, it's an actual word in an actual dictionary. It's a word that people use. My grandfather was on uh, the Webster's board when he was the dean of engineering. So that I'm like, so what's it like? And they're like, oh, we just make up words. Does he have a, like, a special card that gets him into a, like, a big building somewhere? <laughs> like, did it swipe. Yes, like, they incorporated. <laughs> we said it. They. Hello, Mr. Everett. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah, welcome to the they We committee. have a crisis. <laughs> Today's crisis Somebody's is... Somebody's misusing the word dungarees. <laughs> or as you used before, bloviate. Bloviate. Yes. So we, this uh, will be a podcast today of non-bloviation. Non-bloviation. So it's really weird because we do... So we, we, we get feedback from time to time. What most people like about what we do is that we're not talking about politics and we're not teaching you how to repair the dishwasher. We're, we're talking as your friends would talk if we were all in a room together. And that's especially true of people who are actually my friends, which is great because I, because <laughs> yes. I haven't been in their lives for a while and they get to hear it from me. It's fun. Um, but people that don't like our podcast are people that don't want to sit around and talk to friends. <laughs> yeah. They so, want, they want us to have an agenda today. We're going to today, talk about one, talk two about, or three. And we have, we have kind of an agenda. We have this little, we have notes of ideas of things that we got to try and work in and usually work two or three of them in, but Usually about half the time we're just we're just going like friends go and riffing. Right. So 
We hope that and we're uh, super funny. That's why we're pimping ourselves as your more interesting friends. Yes. So, um, and yeah, that's a little arrogant, but let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Who else is going to jump a Winnebago? I'm just saying. Who else is going to jump a Winnebago? Uh, shouts to Chris if you're listening. So, um, all right. Does Chris listen? Uh, he listened to that one. I, you know, I, I, I got on, I got on Facebook and called him out. So yeah. I know he listened to that one. And uh, I called I, my I called my best friend from high school too after that episode, you yeah. know, after we recorded it. We uh reconnected and it felt like I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years. Right. Turns out it'd been 10. 10 years. Yeah. Sorry, Jeff. Okay, so are you one of those friends? One of those friends where if you haven't seen him in 10 years, but you saw him today, you can just hang out? Yep. I'm one of those friends too. I love that. Okay, so to me that's perfect friendom. Oh, okay. Because it's not high perfect maintenance. Male, perfect male friend of <laughs> Yes. Well, no, I had, I've had some friends, male friends, that they got frustrated with the fi- idea that I didn't like keep up with them. Okay. But my family's that way. Okay. Right? We could be apart for a long time and then get back together and nobody, there's no like part, there's no space of time, so to speak. Yeah. Like the, the space time continuum, continuum was paused and then it started up again. I don't know what it is though. I think there's something about the male psyche that likes the notion of, not being complicated, like just generally, like, and 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 I I didn't used to love that Seinfeld bit where he's like, if you walk around and ask a man what he's thinking right now, the answer would be nothing. <laughs> like that was his bit, right? And I didn't used to value it like I value it now because man, <coughs> it is true, like legit. Like, what do you think about? Oh, uh, nothing. I'm just just eight. Yeah, and I, I know for sure if I <laughs> ask my wife that when she has a puzzling look on her face, it ain't nothing. It's not nothing. It's typically I did something wrong. No, dude. They're they're keeping they're keeping nine and ten lists going at all times. Oh yeah. Things are coming off the list, yep. things are going on the list. Yep. Like for example, okay, here's a great example of uncomplicated. Two days ago, my son Max is like, it's March. It's it's the middle of March and I still haven't had a shamrock shake. I only get to do this once a year. Dang it. I I want a shamrock shake. Now he's being comedic. I don't want you to think he's a spoiled brat, but he's being comedic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's a spoiled brat, but he's he's making a joke. I have to explain what you're doing. You're like, he's not a spoiled brat, but you're total, you're, you're, head shaking. Well, maybe, uh, it's a first world problem. Shamrock Shamrock shake. Right. So, a day passes and Rachel comes home, comes home from work and she's got a giant like Diet Coke with extra ice in one hand and a shamrock shake in the other hand. I'm like, oh, you got a shamrock shake. Oh, it's funny. And she just nodded. She just laughed because she's like, I've already come and gone from the house like five times. I've probably gone to McDonald's twice, but I didn't think oh, I got to get Max a shamrock shake, but it's on her list and yeah. now it's off her list. Yep. yep. <laughs> I always tell, I've tried to explain people the difference between a man, man brain and woman brain. Yeah. It comes down to feeding the baby. Okay. The baby's old enough to eat solid foods. Okay. You're ba- you're not babysitting because you can't babysit your own kids. You're watching you're caring the children. For your kid. Oh, I love that that's been an issue in your house. Yes. <laughs> you can't babysit your own kids. I've been schooled. It's a true <laughs> true story. You can't babysit your own kids. Fair so enough. watching the kids, the baby, the 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 baby in a diaper starts yeah. to cry. Now remember the baby can eat solid foods. That's right. part of this story, right? right? So it starts to cry. You go down the list. The last thing you're gonna want on the list is a dirty diaper. Right. Okay. Because that's the worst thing to do. So uh, the first thing you're going to is pain. Any pain involved? Nope. Pain, Nothing nope. wrong. Okay. It's Check. not a pain. But so, see now, now your wife, by the way, she can hear the tone 
of the cry. No, what's wrong? And just go do it. Just do right? it. Oh, right? that's not a pain one. That's so a dirty doing, diaper. You're doing process of elimination. Right. But men have to do process of elimination. They're not hurt. They're yeah, okay, cool. They're they're they don't want to be picked up. That seems not to be the thing, you know. Yeah. So you finally come to the conclusion it's hungry. Because you did check the diaper. <laughs> or does baby, it, or baby it, is hungry. Got it. Baby's hungry. So open up the refrigerator, you're looking through it, and you're like, hot dog. Right? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to cook it. Right. You can cut up in a little bit, sure. you give it to the baby, and you give it, you give the baby a hot dog. Problem solved. You sure. fed the baby, right? Fed the baby. Women get to that same conclusion, open up the refrigerator and think nourishment. Nourishment. Carrots. Sure. Peas. Yeah. You know, things that the baby can eat, but would give nourishment, right? I see. Men just think solve problem, hunger. Hot dog. Hot dog. Hot dog. Doesn't need to be cooked. To this day. So yeah, women I have a think friend, in three I have a dimensions. Once, and he actually listens to the podcast, so he might just fall off his treadmill right now. Um, shouts, John, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he actually called me on, uh, he made sure to maintain proper simplicity in a male relationship. So uh, I'm a young man. Uh, Rachel's uh, doing doing Christmas gifts for friends, neighbor gifts, right? So she gets something for a, a family, uh, for a friend, this man's wife. And he's like, you should get something for John. I'm like, uh... <laughs> She's like, and I think, I don't know if she actually just got something for him or actually talked me into getting something, but I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, and so, and so then and we go cart? over to deliver the Christmas gifts. Right. Right. I swear to you, this happened and I've never loved John more. I hand him a gift. I'm like, Hey man, we, here's something for Christmas. He's like, Nope, sorry. I'm not taking that. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, we cannot. Do this. He's like, if we introduce this, then is it, is, it, is it birthday gifts? Are we doing birthday gifts? Are we going to have memorable times in our lives? We give each other gifts. He's like, he's like, dude, we're bros. Like, I got you, but no, you, you can't give me a gift. Take that back. <laughs> so I took it home. <laughs> Went home with my gift. And by the and, way, and John and I didn't talk for five years and talked recently. And it was just like we were hanging out. <laughs> Uncomplicated. <laughs> Very good. My brother, one, the the truculent one with dreamy blue eyes and a voice of an angel. I used to get him birthday presents once in a while, and um, the reason I would get him birthday presents is because uh, he would he would usually have a tech problem that he wasn't willing to go out and get something to fix it. So my birthday present would be fixing a tech problem. See, the fact that you get to count that as a present. That's pretty solid because yeah. I'm like default tech guy for my family as well, but no one's calling that a gift. I'm just the help. You know what I mean? Like they, well, they, I just delay They just it. send me a pager and they're yeah. like, we have 24-7 <laughs> on this. <laughs> I just delay it so long that I realized, oh, it's his birthday. I might as well get him an earpiece so that he can actually hear his phone. Oh, there you go. All right. Lately, I've been thinking maybe I should buy him glasses because he uses these readers, but he also pushes the readers all the way down on his nose. So he looks like an old lady or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, hey. truculent one. I can't see your dreamy blue eyes. You, you can't. Uh, beside, actually, it just magnifies them for you. You can just see them bigger, bigger than ever. No, not really, because when they're on your nose, I have to actually go un uh, way under him for the angle to see his <laughs> large truculent blue eyes. And now it's getting weird. Right. So I really just think he should go to the eye doctor. So maybe that will be his birthday present this year. Yeah, maybe it will. So we like to keep it simple on the manly side. One of the simplicities of manhood is wearing pants. But yet, yet, all these years on, we have not mastered the technology of having a consistent sizing system for man pants. That's true. Why? Why I do they tell know. me 
that a waist is a certain size when really it's two inches bigger. They lie. Or two inches smaller. <gasps> Or two inches longer, it's a conspiracy, two inches shorter. So you'll buy multiple pairs of pants. Is that from what it is? People. Yeah, sure. Okay, so yesterday, me and the lovely and talented Rachel Davis, uh, where she's on her third trip to get Jonah a pair of pants that fit. Okay, she's like comparing side to side, like it's the same. So first of all, there's the cut issue, which, by the way, I don't know if you know any guys, but maybe just don't sell them in different cuts. Maybe just sell one cut. Maybe I, I don't want boot cut or skinny cut or straight cut or fluffy cut. Yeah. Maybe I just want the ones that dudes would mostly wear. I will avoid one. Of, actually, funny that you should say this. I have avoided buying jeans for years, which I normally really <laughs> like because it's so complicated. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Well, you have to go and they go and there's a wall. There's a wall. And there's, you know, each row has a different cut. And they're like, well, what kind of pants but do you I want? But I honestly like, wonder, jokes aside, so obviously I'm joking around about the different cuts, right? But jokes aside, I honestly wonder if they only sold one cut, if they wouldn't sell way more jeans. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's so. a reason why you could go into a store 10 years ago and you'd see like plaid plaid button-up shirts. Are they old? And now you'd see plaid button-up shirts. There's a reason why. Guys don't want to change fashion that much. We just don't. Uh, yeah, I'm with we, you. We move and slow. you have a plaid button-up shirt today. I'm wearing a plaid button-up shirt today. It's not flannel, but it is plaid. It is plaid. Well, yeah, so, so, anyway, this... so last night, Rachel and I are going to go replace pants for, for, for Jonah after a couple of failed attempts. Right. And I finally found a pair. I'm like, what pair of pants does he have that fits? And she gave them to me. I went to the garage. I got a tape measure out. And I measured the waist. <laughs> and then I measured the outside seam of the leg. I wrote it in my phone. And then we went to the store without regard to the size that it said, whether it's a 10, whether it's a 10 skinny, 10 husky, 12 skinny, 12 husky, without regard. I'm like, hand me the pants. Do they and, still say husky? Uh, they do. Okay. And I measured the waist with the tape measure. You brought the tape measure I with brought you. the tape measure to the store. I measured the waist. And then I measured the length. And then we got home. And Rachel was totally like, this is never going to work. Because we got a size that was not the size that she thought we should get. Right. I walked in using science. The pants fit perfectly. Using <laughs> science, American science. No, that's that science that I used is actually available to anybody. Anybody <laughs> can measure something and provide you with the measurements. And yet somehow it took me, a lowly English major, <laughs> to realize how to use a measuring tape. So, so uh, now I'm thinking next time I go buy pants, I'm legit gonna do that. I'm gonna like, what's my favorite pair of pants? Measure them. <laughs> Take the tape measure to the store. Buy those pants. That's I think I'm, I'm actually like completely enthralled with this. Well, the problem is a lot of stuff is like sewn in foreign countries, so maybe it's like the space between American measurement, right? Because right. we use the imperial. Is it metric? Is it is it not right. metric? I don't know. What They're is like, it in America? Let's do it right in the middle. <laughs> so it's so horrible. I've solved the great jeans crisis. Can we talk about the, the the socket that doesn't fit very perfectly until you moved it from metric from American to uh, metric? Oh, socket like, wrench. Oh, it works. Jiggly socket wrench. Come on. Uh, okay. So, question for you. Can you think of a time in your life where anything in the arts has moved you to the point where it transcends, like, emotion, transcends being impacted by it? And it becomes almost like a spiritual connection that you had like opens up to you because of something and like in like film or painting or music or or literature 
or can you think of that time? Have, yes. Have, have times like that? I can think of the last one I remember was um, uh, Hamilton the play. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. We went to um, I took my my uh, we take our kids on a 16 year old trip when they turn 16 during that year we'll take them on any trip that they want to within reason you know we don't we're not going to Dubai yeah <laughs> but uh, so my oldest daughter Frances wanted to go to um, New York she loves plays okay and we really wanted to go to stuff well um, my wife doesn't like to stay with friends. And it's not because she doesn't want to be with the friends. It's really she truly does not like putting people out. So she doesn't okay. want to put them out. But I told her, I said, listen, if you can get comfortable with it, we can stay with my friends in New York. And if we do, I can afford to get um, Hamilton tickets for us. Oh, and okay. So my wife wanted to do it, obviously, go to Hamilton. But really, it was my daughter. She didn't think we could. Right. So we bought the tickets. Okay. Um, I told my daughter. She burst into tears. She is not a tearful ter- person. Wow. She, she, things that make it really has to move her to make her cry. She yeah. doesn't like to cry in front of people. And she just started bawling. And I was bawling because it was just it was so important to her. So there was a lot of emotional buildup for it, which I actually think could have ruined the play. Okay. In the sense that I could have easily just sat there and and be filled emotionally with the happiness that my daughter was having in this thing. But I am, I would call, extremely patriotic. I see. And Alexander Hamilton you before are, you already, the play. Yeah, you mentioned that he's actually your favorite founding father. Before. Always has been. Yeah. And um, I was blown away. Best play I ever saw. Wow. Not even close. Okay. Nothing comes close. I mean, you you get you almost. What get is it there. about? What is it about that work that 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 impacts you? I mean, you mentioned you're patriotic, and yeah, and I love the founding. You're there with your family. That's my but favorite. what was it like? The the transcended a normal response. There was okay. So if you go, uh, what one of the things they always talked about Hamilton is like, oh, Alexander Hamilton's played by, um, you know, originally he was Puerto Rican, you know, he's, he's often some type of minority. And then George Washington is played by a black guy and all this other stuff. And, and people in the, in the PC woke crowd will, will really celebrate this kind of thing. And, but they celebrate it for a weird reason. I never saw it. Like I just saw actors playing people that I, and it was, Amazing. And the music was different, unique. The blocking was different. The staging was different. They had a double turntable in the actual stage, and they used it to portray time. And when it went, when it turned one way, it was, it was going forward in time. And when they went another way, it would go back in time. And it was just, and the way they did it, and it was just such simple blocking. And the cast was fairly small. It wasn't, it's not like a, uh, Les Mis or uh, Cats or uh, um, okay. or, or uh, Wicked, you know, where there's huge stages and huge, um, you know, uh, scenery and all this other stuff. It's just very simple and it simply changes and it takes you and it just transcends time. And you sat there and you were transformed back to this era of extremely uh, – influential time and it was i loved every second i i bawled through the last few numbers of the first act i couldn't i couldn't hold it in wow i mean and i and i'll cry at things well but it was like a trickle of a tear or something i'm like literally just bawling you're like ugly crying and i couldn't i couldn't hold it back i couldn't hold back what i was feeling um and i'm sure it was magnified by the fact that 
I was there with my daughter and, but man, wow, the music, the whole thing, it's very different. Yeah. You know, this kind of a rappy thing to it. Right. It's not, not everyone wants to, well, okay. So that, that, that leads me to two things that I've been wanting to talk about. One of them is what you just described is, is one of the things that gives me great hope for the universe, which is sometimes it's hard to, I think it's hard for people, uh, people of faith to contemplate the idea of eternity. Right. Right. It's it's like how can things be forever? Like for example, there was a day in my life where I would thought that well, we can't just take a picture of every road in America. Like <laughs> we can't just see it. And then Google went and did it. It's and true. all of a sudden it's like, wait, it's there's true. like dirt roads on here. There's there's like I can go see the places I used to live as a child in Sweden. There, like yeah. crazy. I didn't well, live in Sweden. Back up, you lived in Sweden. I didn't live in Sweden. Oh, no, okay. but but Rachel did. Okay. And then you can see just all of it. Yeah. It's just all there. Yeah. So I used to think that those things were infinite, but I now know that that's not the definition. That's not infinite, right? Right. Like that's finite. Right. So so when you think about it, you're like, oh, things aren't really infinite. Things are finite. We just can't see it all. And when we can see it all, then it won't seem so interesting. Well, I think that's false. And I think things can be infinite. And to me, a great example of it is the way the 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 way that you can always find a new way to present music or the arts. So this is a show about Alexander Hamilton right. that folds in serious rap, like serious long monologues of rap. Right. And um and adds a layer of like kind of like this like you mentioned you 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 actually didn't see it as as a, as a theme, but this this layer of of race and class and privilege questions um, that that all folds together in a brand new way to think about this event in history, right? Right. And I feel like whenever I see something totally new, I, I'm I'm I am filled with this wonder of the eternities. So I see that, and we've talked about it at length. But I see that, and whenever I eat, eat food that I've never experienced before, I'm like, right. not just because we found new food, but because no, no, no. When you take this and you do that, and you apply heat this way, and then you cool it like that, right? You finish it like this, and it's like a new experience. <laughs> and when I when I contemplate when I have those moments, I'm just like eternity. I like, I see eternity right. in that. And I think you saw that in, in Hamilton. Yeah. You're like this is just a glimpse of, of, of forever. I don't know. That's the way I see it. And it's interesting because after the play, they, um, oftentimes they'll, you know, cause it's in New York and they'll make some kind of strange political statement speech, right. Or, or ask for some kind of strange political donation. Sure. And uh, that didn't even ruin it for me. It didn't even come close. The yeah. euphoria was so high that I just sat there looking at it all and all these actors that had done this absolutely amazing thing that transcended yeah. uh, identification, race, uh, you know, political politics and all this other stuff. Um, I, 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 Did it make me, you feel love? Yeah, towards everyone in the audience, on the stage. I mean, I, that's I, what I think is fascinating. When the arts really connect, it somehow makes you feel love just for things and people around you and hope. I totally agree. I, I mean, I, you leave, you know, Ted Lasso, like we talked about that one oh time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I that mean, show. that's just, it's such a, they did such a great job. It transcended really just a TV show. And you were just re rooting out loud, you know, cheering with your arms in the air for humanity. For humanity. Yeah. So I have, I have this experience from time to time. I have experience and it happens. It only happens to me. I can't even predict it. I don't know if it's every couple of years or if it's every 10 years. I don't know what it is, but every so often I'll be listening to a song, 
So I listen, sometimes I listen while I work, sometimes I listen while I drive. And every once in a while, a song, and I think it's more than just the music, actually. I think it's the music plus the feelings that I was feeling before. Right. Plus the questions that I'm asking in my mind at this period in history. Right. Uh, but something about a combination of all the things, every once in a while a song will hit me so hard that I'll, I, I'll literally stop doing whatever I was doing. I'll stop talking and stop moving. And my eyes will fill with tears. And I'll think, and, and the, the first idea that comes to my, to my head is just overwhelming hope. Yep. And I'm just like, we can do this. We are going to be okay. Yep. And, um, and I think it's, I, I think it's a spiritual thing. I think it's literally like I, it's controversial. Cause so in, in, in my faith, it's not, it's uncontroversial that you can ask for, ask, ask God to, to make you, uh, to reveal things to you and that you'll feel them. Right. And, and you'll know that they're real. Right. And I've had those experiences uncontroversially. I, like I, I truly believe, I believe that's a real thing and I've had it happen to me, but I believe somewhat controversially I would put these, these experiences I've had with music on the list of spiritual experiences I've had in my life. And the reason it's controversial is because they're not all, like a couple of them are like well-sung hymns. Right. But a couple of them are like well-known rock bands. Right. <laughs> singing a power anthem that, that opened my heart to hope in a way that I, that I identify as a spiritual experience. There's a, there's one that I can think of right now. That's, you know, you, um, have you heard, uh, uh, the opera magic flute by Mozart? I mean, probably, I don't know. There's an aria in there called queen of the night. Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) When that's done well. Yeah. You, you, it is transformational. Like how did this person, how did this person write it? Yeah. How did this person perform it? And then all of a sudden, it that transcendent feeling that you feel that where you just yeah. kind of disconnected from your real, your own personal reality, and you have you have been trans translated or or transformed into the piece itself, and you're like, right? Whoa. You're like in you're like in the work of art itself, yes. And, yes. and like you're seeing it through glasses, yes. <laughs> you're seeing the world through those glasses. So okay, but what's fascinating about what you said though? So here's and here's the controversial thought, by the way. Not all of the songs that I'm referring to that that transcended and transported me into a different place, not all of them have like, you wouldn't look at the lyrics and be like, oh, these lyrics taught you to be happy. Right. And therefore you were happy. I'm like, it, it doesn't even relate. It's like, it's like a different language. It's like, it doesn't matter what he's singing. It doesn't matter what she's singing. The sound and the and the tempo and the time, yep. has, it just puts a giant funnel into your brain and it's filling it up with hope yep. and beauty and joy. Well, the queen of the night is not in English. Yeah. The, the, that the queen of the night English. probably, it's probably not like a lesson in how to make William Everett happy. Right. It's, it's not. <laughs> but I think it's everybody. And that's interesting. Night, is it like, is it, is it a political drama? Is I will it say a, there's something. Is it a love story? I don't know. <laughs> but that music changed the way you saw the world that day. Yes. And to me, I actually think that that's an, 
we talked about uh, movies a little bit last time uh, where we talked about stories. and But w- one of the things we talked about was a transcendent idea of stories, right? And like right. how these stories. Oh, yeah. Can, archetypal stories. Yeah. I mean, they really are, like you, I think you said, imprinted on people's souls, right? So I totally yeah. believe that. I think that's the way with music. Uh, kind of a, a, a the, the the opposite of, of what we're talking about. We were right. at um, we were watching the LA Phil, and uh, I was telling my daughter during one of the it was like the, the the final piece. So they had several different pieces, and they did different pieces from different times of of music. And then the last one was kind of this ultra modern one. And when they played it, it was morose and strange. And I looked at my daughter and I said, this will get a standing ovation. She said, why? And I said, because nobody knows what they're listening to, but they think that it's so that it's so sophisticated that they want to identify with the sophistication of it. Right. Not that it's pleasing to the ear. Because oh, it wasn't. Okay. Right. In no way was it pleasing. <laughs> and I play string bass and they had 13 string basses in the orchestra for this piece, which you've never seen in your lifetime and that doesn't happen, right? right. So to me, that was pretty cool. But <laughs> the, like, the whole Finally, was, we're getting the recognition we deserve. <laughs> yes. There's there's just human humanity responds to our residents and the residents that resolve themselves okay. in certain ways are going to be inspiring. And that is what lifts your soul because it literally sings to the vibration, I think, that the well, look, I think, okay, so, but here's the, okay, politely disagree because we're, we're kind of vibing and I don't want to harsh the vibe, but, Uh but what I think you said is that there are some songs that appeal to everyone that way. And I don't, I don't actually believe that. I don't believe, like, I, I believe that it's tailor made for you. You know what I mean? Like it resonates with you. Yeah. Like without going too deep, I, I, I agree with you. But my theory still holds, and that is, is that just because there's a certain amount of resonance that happens within everybody's soul, right? And yeah. and you you they may be able to put that together in a unique way that resonates specifically to you, right? Right. But at the end of the day, I really do believe that your people need resonance to resolve, and if it doesn't resolve, even if it's in a unique way, if it doesn't resolve, it becomes, it will do the opposite effect. Of inspire you, it will frustrate you, and mm. it will. Now, some people like to maybe some people like to listen to music that's frustrating to them, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not even talking about like rock versus rap versus pop versus classical versus what. It's just music theory. Um, Interesting. I, it's 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 in the weeds for sure, but I, I do believe that. I and I believe no, that. The, almost okay, everything. so I I have a couple of friends and family members who've gone to music school. And they work as composers, right? right. And I, there's this thing that I, when I heard about it, I couldn't even believe it. I'm like, that can't be. But I, but I can believe it. And I'll, and you'll, when I explain why, you'll be like, oh, okay, I see where he's going. There, because music can become formulaic. Yes. Um, in music schools now, they're teaching critical music theory in a way that deconstructs music. Down to its down to its essential basics, right? And so you're required to go to a certain number of these. Um, I don't even know what they're called, but like music performances, right? Where where noteworthy theorists and musicians perform their mi- big musical idea, right? And because you can't just perform beautiful music, <laughs> their musical ideas sometimes everyone goes in a room. They sit down and wait for 30 minutes for the musician to come out. He'll flip open the piano. The, the hush goes over the room. 
and he'll play one note. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh. And then they'll sit and talk about it like, like something happened. And I totally know how that happens. So this is what I'm saying. I don't get it. Of course I don't get that. Because no regular person would get that. No regular person's like, yeah, man, he did it. By the way, music school and the commentary in music school is pretty funny sometimes. <laughs> but uh, a funny story about that. The truculent one with dreamy blue eyes and the voice of an angel. Standoffish speaks, truculent brother. Yes. yes. He speaks Chinese. Uh, yes. But we have a Chinese cousin who is doing his master's um, at work in viola at USC. Oh, okay. So he was having his um, big performance that he was having. And what happens is, is your family and friends go and then your your fellow students go. And then they, they kind of comment. They'll come give you feedback or whatever. So we're there. He's play, he plays this thing. He did a really great job. And two of the students in front of us were two Chinese girls who were speaking back and forth during the performance, by the way. Okay. Uh, in between, you know, they were polite. In between the performance right. uh, pieces, um, back and forth to them. They were being very animated about what they were talking about. And, you know, we're we're a whole school of, flam of white guys in the back row or a white family, you know, in the back row that does not look like they speak Chinese. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they were being so brutal. I mean, they were just brutal. About the performance? Yes. Oh. But no one knew, right? And so at the very end when it was all over um, – my brother walks up to him and says, uh, in Chinese, like, how'd you like my cousin's performance? <laughs> <laughs> they were very embarrassed because uh, they were like, why is he moving so much? You know, this, oh, that piece was not any good. You know, they were, yeah. they were really mean. Wow. But my brother, like, so how was it in Chinese? And I'm like, oh. Well, anyway, I think there's something powerful about this ability to respond. And by the way, for me, it's music. But it's not the same for everyone. I, I've already mentioned that, that that my wife Rachel feels that way about art and visual design. Yes, and can respond to visual design that that much, and that's that's surprising. I mean, that's that's amazing. And doesn't understand, by the way. We've actually talked about this. Doesn't understand people who find music inherently spiritual. Like she so, and so she, she likes doesn't see it in music. She likes good music, and, and appreciates it, but doesn't. But doesn't feel like that is like some people are like, no, no, no. The doorway to feeling spiritual is music. And she's like, I reject that. For her, the doorway to feeling spiritual is ideas. Oh, okay. And and then and then separately, of course, this this the other doorway, which is the visual arts, right? Right. And it hadn't even occurred to me. Okay, so I come from a family that likes music. We we had we had a little family band when I was a kid, you know. Really? I was, I was the youngest. We, we did you we, get perform? We perform at like the school talent shows and war talent shows and crap nice. like that. We had we had our we had like had little vests and little uh little uh, little hats. It was great. Um but did, uh did you play music or did you just sing? We we sang. We sang. sang. Okay. Uh, my mom would play to accompany sometimes the piano, but mostly it was just singing. And we'd sing like you know, John Denver songs and stuff like that. <laughs> so I, but, but I was raised loving music and standing right. around the piano singing songs together is a thing that we love. We love so much that when we're feeling nostalgic, when we get together for a family reunion, right. sometimes we'll all plan to go to church simply so that we can sing a musical number as a family. Because it makes my, it reminds my parents of those great times and it, it makes us all feel love for each other that we re remember feeling standing around the piano, right? So that's my history of music, right? Right. And, uh, and uh, so it hadn't even occurred to me that like people could be like too much music in this, in this, in this meeting at church. <laughs> I'm like really? too much. What? There's such a thing. Have <laughs> yeah. you heard that before? Yes. Oh, I've never heard that before. 
Well, there you I go. I reject it. it it's possible. Exist. I don't think so. You reject it. It's not. It can't be. It can't <laughs> be. Music and worship. I don't think so. It can't be. We had a uh, we had a similar thing when we were kids where we would go sing at uh, old folks' homes. Oh yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be on the stage, so I became the sound man. Mm. So I ran the mics and put up all the speakers and stuff like that. I'm not sure why my mom ever did that. It was actually kind of a funny thing. And then now looking back, as we all, if I look back, like okay, so my the truculent, uh, the standoff. I know truculent that your brother play, your brother sings. Do your other siblings? Are they all? Yeah, the musical? standoff truculent one with dreamy blue eyes and a voice of an angel was an angel and did sing very well as a boy soprano. Yeah, he was considered at one point the best boy soprano in the world. Yes, and then there, there's me. I played string bass in an orchestra. Yeah. And if you wanted to get me in a jazz band, I could do it as long as you wrote the music out. I couldn't yeah, really like, riff on it. You're not riffing, but right. you're but you and then, uh the the Wonder Twins played tuba and um the ten, uh what's the other one? The smaller tuba. I don't know. Uh well, they're gonna kill me. Um Oh, I think Lucas played this. Is that the one you march with? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um bass. I wanna say it's tr- Rebel, trouble. Anyway, whatever. Smaller tuba. So, sorry, Wonder Twins. I forgot which one. And then my sister, uh, she could sing. You know, she could sing. She was a yeah. decent singer. She was not, um, she didn't play any music. But I was thinking to myself, like, oh, could we put a band together with those instruments? <laughs> Answer's no. Answer? No. No. No, no. There's really no no place for hear a tuba a, and just, a bass player. I want to hear a duet with the bass and the tuba. <laughs> I think that makes that would be a really interesting noise, and I bet people at music schools and universities would go, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's really yeah, yeah, yeah." We walk, <laughs> we're the th- ones we walk in thirty minutes late. Thirty minutes late, right? We're gonna Bow. play this. This is what we're gonna do. The tuba will play the same exact note, and then the string bass player will play the same exact note. Yeah, and then stop. So I had this, I had a really music, interesting musical experience actually at church. It was unexpected. Um, so we we briefly lived we lived for two years in the in the Bay Area. Uh, recently, and in the Bay Area, um, it so people of our faith generally flock to the suburbs, right? Right. Uh, because they're raising a bunch of kids and they need a big house, and those are hard to find in metro areas. So we lived in a place that was just outside of San Francisco, right? And used to be a suburb, so it had the had remnants of like of a, of a big. Um, sorry, did you want to tell us the name of the instrument? The baritone. The baritone. <laughs> oh, Lucas is sorry, Wonder Twins. <laughs> the tuba and the baritone. Three years. Um. So, um, so in, so in the Bay area, um, so like oh, the families have long fled. So now the parents that would raise these families, cause they used to be the suburbs, but now it's the metro area. Right. They're still, the parents are still there. Um, and so, so the only people that now live in this area and go to church there are, um, either like these, these senior folk who, whose families have fled, or there are these young professionals who, before they're trying to raise a big family. Um, who are trying to make their way in the world? Right. So in 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 this in this congregation that we we lived, there were like there were three opera singers and like two or three like orchestra performers, and and, and so we had this annual uh, large group gathering right. of our congregation where we did like we're just doing music, it's a talent show. It's a talent show kind right. of right. So we go to this talent show. I'm doing air quotes now for talent show. And we have this really weird. So we have a couple of senior folk who are. Who one guy literally did like a lounge singer act, like he literally <laughs> came in like a suit and like right. sang crooners songs, right? And, and he did a fine job. That's right. great. And then the next person walks up, turns off the microphone, 
and does an opera solo Whoa. that will like that like shakes the room like without amplification because <laughs> she's because <laughs> she's a singer in the opera in San Francisco. That's awesome. Like, that's legit. So then the son of one of the leaders of the local congregation gets up, and it's a kid I know from like peripherally. He's not in my congregation, but he's in a neighboring congregation. Very nice kid. And he pulls out the cello, and I'm like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my gosh. He plays, I, I can only describe it as, now, by the way, e e even when music doesn't speak to my soul, I can acknowledge when it's, when it's, when it's, when, good. When it's impressive, right. right? And I can acknowledge when it's skilled. He plays a cello uh, solo that I can, I can only describe as violent. Like it really? was, it was so impressive. Like so impressive, like his head's flying around and he's playing that bow like like he's like he's wielding a hatchet and it's just like this incredible high highs, incredible low lows and like just plays with meter. It's just all over the like what is happening and like and this is like a congregational music event and I'm right. like I I would have paid to see this show. You should have made a saw. yeah a fundraiser. Oh man, it was something. We it had a something. similar experience where we lived in a, a the valley. When and a, the same exact demographics that you're talking about, yeah, some old old, and then these like young professionals, yeah, and they're mostly in the movie industry, right? Okay. So they yeah, would yeah. do instead of doing a, a talent show where you were like, these were either actors, producers, you know, writers, directors, okay, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So they would they would say, okay, bring your best work. So you had a bunch, oh. you had like some of the older <gasps> girls, bring ladies. your best work. It was pretty cool, that. and they had like commercials that they had done, and they put those up, <laughs> and it was fantastic. fun because you saw some of the the older people in the congregation who had been actors or actresses and like showing some of the work. Well, one of <laughs> the year that we that I, that we were living there, um, and I was kind of part of that, right? They yeah. they. They played all these different shorts that they did. And one of the shorts was this guy who had gone to USC film school. And then it was juxtaposed, like the next act was a guy that had gone to BYU film school. And they were doing their senior theses, uh, you know, showing them. Okay. One was a claymation one. The one from USC was this claymation one. What you know anything about claymation takes a tremendous amount of patience to make. Unbelievable amount yeah. of patience. And so the claymation part of it was kind of cool. Like, oh, this is neat, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden, it the, the it just turned dark. It turns out it was like this abusive husband abusing the wife and like... In claymation? <laughs> in claymation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and there's, there's all these little kids in there thinking, you know, claymation <laughs> looks like a little kid's kind of, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they're like, in the beginning, it's like dun, that, dun, you dun, know? Dun. And then all yeah. of a sudden, the guy starts beating on the wife and we're like, whoa. So the next year they edited it all. They're like, we're going to pre-qualify your best work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're going to run it through this filter we call, can kids watch it? <laughs> can. can. Uh, I had a friend that did, went, did, decided not to go to film school because one of the parts of the curriculum is that they had to film um, a rape scene. And he's like, I don't ever want to make a movie like that. So I don't even want to know how. So he decided, I'm not doing it. Oh, wow. But he ended up being a pretty good, accomplished filmmaker. He didn't go to school for it, though. I have kudos to him. Yeah. I mean, look, film school is a, it can be an, it's an important place to make relationships. It could, it can be an important training ground. It can be. Yeah. But I would say that like a huge value proposition of going to film school used to be access to the technology to make films. So like these the film schools have, they had cameras, they had editing machines and all you'd have to do is come up with the money for film and for talent and right. you'd make movies. Right. Well, in this day and age, man, you don't need 
permission from anybody yeah. to get any of that stuff. So yeah. about half of the value of film school has been reduced. Have you looked at? I noticed your your iPhone's like not the latest one, but do you ever do you ever keep up with the iPhone like what they do? With the, uh, do I watch? Yeah, do I watch what they do and like the camera work that they can do and it's amazing stuff. Yeah, like the newest one, they have like a li lidar, yeah. so that you can create three D images and stuff like that with your yeah. with your own with your iPhone for a film, and they shoot full on features with these. I mean, not full on features like you. No, dude, there's a couple of shows on Netflix that were shot entirely on iPhone yeah. by Soderbergh. It's that's a thing. Pretty awesome. No, it's amazing, and and I actually am a huge fan of that. Because it allows you to, I mean, there's just nothing gating you from making your first film. Right. There's just nothing gating you from making your first film. Right. I mean, there's time. That's it. Like, I mean, with a part-time job, you can afford the best iPhone. And with a full-time job, you can you can you can afford the best MacBook. Yep. An iPhone plus MacBook plus, I don't know, a thousand dollar sound kit and a thousand dollar light kit. So you're all into this thing, six grand. Yeah. You can go make a feature film. Yep. <laughs> like there's nothing stopping with your buddies. you. There's nothing stopping you. Whereas when my when my brother was studying film at USC film school, like it was a huge, it was a huge burden to come up with the money for film stock. Like that was a huge burden. That was a lot. Because he had a bunch of kids and and it cost a lot of money. And you had to pay for the film, then you had to pay to have it developed, and you had to physically edit it in the physical editing machine room. And there was scarcity in the editing machine room, such that you when you got an editing bay. Like he was working 24 hours a day to edit because when so you, you lost the bay, you bay. can't get it back. Yeah. So he would literally fall asleep on the editing bay. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys on the outside. Some guys are like, tick, what's tick, going tick. on? You're so asleep, point of my story cheating. is all that stuff now, like literally I have a 16-year-old son who has all the gear necessary to do way more than, than my brother was able to do with dude, the best gear in the world. you just freaked me out. Max is 16? Yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, he's, he's 15 and three quarters or whatever, but. He's That's still, there. these kids are growing up fast. Growing up fast. All right. Well, then you, you told me earlier that if uh, TikTok were yeah, something so, as a kid, you would never, you you would not be a video, video game producer and you would be making TikTok I probably would brother. be making TikTok videos. And here, here's my evidence. So I was, I wanted to, I wanted to be out there so much that in college, I got a bunch of friends together and we started a, a sketch comedy group. And we we aver like practiced and wrote stuff and advertised and did shows and we became somewhat successful in college. Why don't you drop it? It's still around. What's that? It's still around. It's at it's at the, my alma mater BYU. It's called Divine Comedy. Right. I've been and to me, one of their shows. And me and some friends who are listening, shouts, friends who are listening, um, helped make this thing. And so now, twenty five years later, it's still a thing. <laughs> um, it can't be more than and it five draws, years. It draws big crowds. Point of my story is though. If I had the comedic ability that I had in my 20s, I had a phone and I had and I knew that if I made a funny enough video, people would start to send me checks in the mail. Okay, Randy, pause. Okay. <laughs> I would do that. Crap. I'm just telling you this. I okay? would do that stuff. If you had had an iPhone at yeah. that age and TikTok or YouTube had been available at the age when you jumped the Winnebago and someone filmed it from the outside <laughs> and the Wait, inside. How many hits would we have gotten from like the, the stuff in the Winnebago floating? I'm telling the air? you what, I mean, remember the kid that bit his, his brother bit him. Charlie bit Charlie him. Charlie bit me. Yeah, dude, that guy Hundreds got of millions of views, millions of views. Who knows? that kid now? He's probably pretty old. Right. And they're making bank. Probably doing time. I'm just saying, you people. had had film about jumping the Winnebago yeah. and you had internal coverage of that whole thing. Dude, you'd be, you'd be a millionaire. Yeah. So kids out there that are making TikTok videos to make money, I support you, friend. I love it. 
But I don't know about TikTok. So make things, but, Chinese. but I don't know about TikTok, but make things with knowing that the creative thing that you make may literally be the portal for someone else's spiritual moment where they where they find hope. Right. Where they believe in the idea of eternity, where they where they feel love for their fellow man. Think about that when you make stuff. Well, do you know what's interesting is because one of the things that lots of people are so surprised about is that you and I love politics and we talk about it a lot. We do. Yeah. But nothing on, our, for the most part, nothing on our podcast and people are super shocked about that, which is, but we started this in a dark place. We, we both did. were very frustrated with the way, where the world was going. And we just thought it was, you know, we just like, look, there, that makes a, our thought was there's a void now for good content. There's a void there for positive thinking. There's a void there for fun stuff. And at the end of the day, we're having a lot more fun doing fun stuff because we leave here energized and excited about and going excited to work, doing our family stuff, yeah. saying hi to our friends and our fellow humans out there. Hello, Whereas, fellow human. <laughs> That's how I agree people on the street. Politics, Hello, fellow I think it would be hard to be like, you know, super, uh, super up about this. A, a, a mutual friend of ours yesterday I was talking to and he was like, okay, he has a big presentation he has to do uh, um, this weekend and he's been trying to fi figure out what he needs to do. And he's like, He's like, my basic theme is whatever you fill in your life is what you kind of partake of. It's what you become. So if you fill your life with uh, negativity and uh, frustrations and anxiety, then you're kind of the fact that you are frustrated uh, and you are negative about the world or the outcome or, or not hopeful. Um, or if you have anxiety, these things kind of like, no, I'm not talking about clinical anxiety. Anxiety. That's totally different ball game I know nothing yeah about. but no like you you become what you what you partake of on a regular basis yes you are what you eat yeah you are what you eat so I eat nerds candies <laughs> makes me and feel you smarter. are a, a nerd. nerd right with that uh one, one of the shout out to one of my brothers uh the one of the wonder twins they're both teachers yeah and uh one of them has um his his class is called Mr. Everett's Nerd Herd that's solid and he makes stickers and he gives them uh, he gives them cups. Dude, I like the branding. The nerd herd. I, I like branding generally. And so I, when someone brands effectively, I'm on board. Yeah. I'm on board. I would he join has, the nerd herd. He has thousands of cups that he gives. He had to buy them all so that they were cheaper per cup. Sure. And so each year he gives his, he gives his students out the nerd herd. Okay. Okay, friends. Choose hope. Be the right kind of nerd. And make content in your life that will inspire other people you you might be making the thing that fills somebody with hope for the future and with that this is the waystation podcast have a great day have a great day